Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. They are our 5 o'clock sponsor, and they can do a lot for you and your automotive needs. Just go check them out at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette or visit them online at servicegm.com. So I did it. I even remained sober while doing it, but I did listen to the debate last night. One of the things that I found so interesting about a lot of the discussion is Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, he 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 makes this attack on um on Nikki Haley and and specifically attacks her through her adult daughter. It's during the segment of the show of the debate where they're talking about TikTok and they're talking about um they're talking about how TikTok is a threat and the question to everybody was Will you, as president, ban TikTok? It is an inform- you know. Do you believe it's an information gathering tool by the Chinese? Is it Chinese surveillance on American citizens? Are you going to ban it as president? Everybody on the stage said yes, except for Vivek Ramaswamy, who instead said, "If you want to, you know, talk about TikTok, Nikki Haley, you need to clean up your own house. Your daughter is using it, and that threw her into a rage." Everybody in that room recognized that you don't do that. You don't. You don't go after the family who was not involved. But they did. But Vivek did. Overall, the debate last night, if you had a particular candidate you were pulling for, you probably think that candidate won. But the thing about Vivek Ramaswamy is that he's the only person since the debates have started who has doubled their negatives among voters. Vivek is the only one who's done that. And yet, and yet... I spend a lot of time online because I check out, I I mean, I write online commentary. I get a lot of comments from online commentary. What strikes me as notable is that Vivek Ramaswamy has a ton of fans who are no different than the cult of Ron Paul that started getting established uh, in 2008 and then again in 2012, the, the, the Ron Paul cult of personality is kind of reborn in Vivek. But last night, it was clear that the show we were all watching, the show we were all hoping for, was the DeSantis versus Haley show. And we sort of kind of got that. But we didn't. It's pretty notable watching both of them. They don't feel comfortable attacking each other. They understand that they have to do it for the sake of the campaign. But when you listen to the attacks, each one gave the other. They're kind of half hearted. Kind of lame. 
Nikki Haley going after Ron DeSantis for not fracking in the Everglades is a lame attack. Going after Nikki Haley when she is governor was in, was bringing new business, even if it was Chinese business, bringing new business into the state, which is what every governor in the country wants to do. Felt kind of lame. It felt kind of half-hearted. But Haley attacked DeSantis over the Everglades. DeSantis attacked Haley over bringing in jobs. Nobody really... that. None of those barbs, none of those attacks really made the waves last night. And I think they were meant to make those waves. The campaigns were pushing those out as talking points during and after the debate. But neither candidate themselves really felt like it was worth doing. That's my biggest takeaway from the night is that the two people who maybe might have a chance to close the gap with Trump didn't want to attack each other, even though they're each standing in each other's way of getting there. It's an, it's an interesting conundrum between those two. But here's the thing. Now, I, I, I get that probably 90 to 95% of you listening, if not more, you're all in for Donald Trump. I get that, but there is a portion of you listening there's a portion of you listening, and I know because you've either called in or you've sent messages to the KPL app, you're at least open to an alternative. You're at least open to an alternative. There were five people on that stage last night. Only two really needed to be there. That was Haley and DeSantis. I love Tim Scott. I, I would love a Tim Scott presidency. He's not the man for the moment. He needs to be off the stage. He needs to close up shop. I know a lot of people have strong negative feelings about Chris Christie. I don't hate Chris Christie. He's not the man for the moment. He needs to step aside. I've made my feelings about Vivek Ramaswamy known. He should not be on the stage. Nobody missed Doug Burgum. Nobody missed Asa Hutchinson. The only two who need to be on that stage are Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. And the third person who should be on that stage probably is Donald Trump, but instead he held a separate rally. Now, again, Donald Trump doesn't have to be on that debate stage. He is averaging nationally over 50%. In Iowa, he is just under 50%, but pretty much everywhere else he's in the 50s. He doesn't need to be on that stage, and he doesn't need to risk getting tripped up on the debate stage and losing some points. He can stay where he is and kind of stay stagnant where he is. The only two who should be debating right now, if it's a Donald Trump-free debate zone, are Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. And most everybody at this point is recognizing that except for these candidates. But on the flip side of everything, Today, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin announces he's not running for re-election. He's not running for re-election for senator. But he hasn't ruled out a third-party run. He hasn't ruled out running under the no-labels banner. That means two things. The first thing that it means 
is that the Republicans are about to pick up a U.S. Senate seat. West Virginia is deep red, and Joe Manchin has managed to make West Virginians think that he is just conservative enough to keep his job, and really he's excellent at bringing pork home. He's excellent at bringing money back home to the state. But if Joe Manchin's not running, that's going to be a Republican pickup. Unless there's just an absolutely terrible candidate, which given what we've seen in a few, the last couple of election cycles is entirely possible. Unless there's an absolutely atrocious candidate, that's a Republican pickup right now. That brings us back to a split Senate. That is... That's going to to make a difference in the fight next year. Here's the other thing that Joe Manchin stepping down means if he does decide to run for president. If he decides to run as a third party candidate, Joe Manchin is pulling votes away from Joe Biden. Joe Manchin's not pulling votes away from Donald Trump. He's pulling votes away from Joe Biden. That is a big deal. Because right now, if the if the election were held today and it's between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, the polling indicates Trump has an advantage. But you know what pretty much assures Donald Trump winning if the election was held today is if Joe Manchin's there pulling votes away from Joe Biden. Because Biden right now, again, is losing black voters. He's losing Hispanic voters. He's losing a bunch of different minority groups. And now if blue-collar workers decide to go with Joe Manchin, who better represents their interests than Joe Biden does, then Biden's time as president is done. Events absolutely 100% can change things. Absolutely they could. Between now and November of next year, plenty of things could change. An act of God, an act of the legal system, whatever. They could change the dynamics of this race. But there are multiple voices in the Democratic Party saying, hey, We've got a problem. And Biden and his administration are ignoring that problem. So even while the Republicans are having these debates and they're trying to find out whatever their identity is right now, the Democrats are looking their problem squarely in the face. And the problem is wandering off the stage because he has no idea where he is. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. I know a couple of you have been uh, letting your voices be heard in the app. We'll get to those during the break. I'll respond to you after the break here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer, Service Chevrolet Cadillac. 
They've been the number one Chevy dealer in Acadiana for nine years in a row, so you should stop by check out their huge selection today. Just go over to 1212 Ambassador Cafe. You don't have to necessarily go there in person because it is, you know, it is after hours. You guys might be heading home. You're not interested in going to a car dealer right now. I understand. Check them out online, servicegm.com. If you go, though, you decide, hey, during your lunch break tomorrow, you decide to go by, check things out. You can check out all the new and used cars they have for sale. They've got parts and service right there if you are one of their customers. Body Shop and Collision Center, right there. Fine Line Custom Audio. Um, I'm sorry, Custom Auto. They've got the wash. It's all there. They've got new inventory arriving daily. So much for you to check out at Ambassador Caffrey, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey. It is Service Chevrolet Cadillac. They are there for you. It's their family serving your family for the last 50 years. Go ahead. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet. Now, Mike sends a message through the app. He says, Joe, you are right, which is what I love to hear. Thank you, Mike. He also says DeSantis and Haley need to have a one-on-one debate so they can have a go at each other. The others are in the way. And that is the real big thing. The others are in the way of anybody else trying to break through. Now, again, most of you listening are already, your, your hearts are set on Donald Trump. I don't blame you. But there is a certain percentage out there you're looking at least for maybe a viable alternative. You're looking maybe at your options. It's like you're going to service Chevrolet. You're just looking to see what's on the lot. And right now there's too much clutter. You want to see the newest models, and those newest models would be Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis at this point, but the other models are in the way. So right now, I think it's best for those other candidates to say, I tried, couldn't do it, the rest is up to y'all, and back off. It's no, There's no dishonor in doing that. Here's the thing, though. The other night, there were elections. And Republicans didn't do so hot in those elections. They didn't do as bad as the Democrats want you to think they did, but they didn't do so hot. One of the problems that the Republicans had is that they were outspent by Democrats. And one of the issues there is that there are too many folks who are giving all of their dollars to presidential campaigns and PACs. And some of these elections, some of these Republican local and state elections, they're not getting the money they need. So, yeah, we kind of do need some people to step out the way so there can be more money to go around. Let's take this break. We'll be back in a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. Is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Um. Okay, I'm not going to read that story. I'm not going to read that, y'all. Maybe in the last segment I will read that story. Um, but I'm not going to do it now. And I, in the last segment, you'll understand why I don't want to do it now. 
So Jeff Landry has chosen a former House Speaker to be his incoming Commissioner of Administration. He's chosen Taylor Barra. Uh, Taylor Barra had a brief stint as uh, House Speaker, and it was better than what we had before or since. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it's it was hard for Taylor Barra to be a conservative speaker when there wasn't really a conservative legislature. He, he kind of did his best, but it, it was okay. But he has a lot of experience at the state capitol working with the legislature. He's a pretty decent choice for commissioner of administration. Now, the commissioner of administration's job is primarily to focus on the uh, the governor's budget. And a lot of that will ultimately, I think, uh, it, hopefully, things might might go in the right direction for the state. We, we have a Republican governor. We have a conservative governor coming in. The hope is that we get better fiscal, res- more fiscal responsibility with the governor's mansion. Um, Jeff Landry's got a very interesting uh, issue. He's got a very interesting uh, situation on his hands. See, he's coming in with all of these expectations, not his own expectations, but the expectations of a lot of the state of Louisiana kind of riding on his shoulders. Conservatives being fed up with the status quo have firmly rejected another Democratic governor. They firmly rejected a lot of more soft-spoken Republicans. They were looking for a conservative fighter. Now, Jeff Landry ran primarily on the issue of law and order, which understandably is something that needs to be addressed in the state. But it's not the only issue the state is facing right now. Jeff Landry's got to fight a battle on multiple fronts. Yes, law and order is going to be a key part of it. But the state budget has to be a big part of this going forward. The state budget has to be a big part of the governor's fight because the state cannot continue on the path that it's been on. It was one of my frustrations, although I get it, I get it, but it was one of my frustrations throughout the gubernatorial campaign that we didn't hear much about the budget, about the fiscal issues of the state, about the fact that we are spending more than we take in, and that whenever we come anywhere close to having a budget surplus, that's immediately turned around and used on things it shouldn't be used on. We start to say, hey, we can do this, and these, and the, the, the this that they want to do is usually a recurring expense when we don't have a guarantee of that budget surplus to keep funding it in previous years. And so more money gets added to the budget. We get federal dollars coming in. That's used to uh, start filling in the gaps on recurring funds in the budget. We never stop and think we need to cut something to make sure that there is a steady stream of surplus coming in. Or at the very least, if there's a year where we overblow our expenses, we've got enough of a padding to where we're not super into debt. 
or, God forbid, the checkbook balances. That's what we desperately really need. Nobody really talks about that in the electoral politics aspect of it. But it is something we need. We have a fighter as the governor now, but there's a lot of stuff that's not as sexy of a fight. The law and order stuff, that's a sexy political fight. That's a fight you can get fired up on, right? Nobody wants to sit down and have the boring, nerdy fiscal talk on a debate stage or in a campaign ad. But we do need to get our fiscal house in order. We do need to make sure that that law and order and that criminal justice is a focus. We do need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to improve education in our state. That we're doing everything that we can to work on infrastructure in the state. That We can do everything we can to help not only uh, uh, support, but actually help rebuild the oil and gas industry in the state. All these other issues we desperately need to work on. Now, he's got at least four years, more than likely eight years, to work on all these issues. But a lot of these are things that you can't put off for a legislative session or two. Jeff Landry is going to roll in March of 2024, and he's got to have an aggressive legislative agenda. If you want to fix all the issues that we are facing in state, you've got to have an aggressive legislative agenda in order to make these issues not go away, but solve these issues. Sorry, I'm struggling with my words. You have to be aggressive as a governor. You have to have allies in the legislature to do it. Taylor Barra, as your commissioner of administration, is a good first step. Having the right people advising you will be another great step. Getting the legislature on board, that's going to be a tougher fight. A lot of good conservatives won seats in the legislative races around the state. But some of the same old familiar names, the ones that have been standing in conservatism's way time and time again in this state, some of those same old people are going to be there thwarting actual conservative ideas. One would hope that the conservatives that have been reelected or have been elected for the first time, one would hope that they stand up. They don't get sucked into this idea of trying to be friends with everybody, trying to, trying to, you know, this is how things are done type mentality that pervades Baton Rouge, pervades Washington, D.C. One of the things that is absolutely abysmal about both Baton Rouge and Washington, D.C. is that a good conservative goes in and the system swallows them whole. And they shift to fit into the system. They don't try to fight the system. They they get in there, and it's a noble idea that a lot of these legislators get, and a lot of these conservatives that go into government get. I'll, I'll be part of the system. I'll work from within to change it. Time and again, we've seen it. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to go into the system. I'm going to fight this system. And it never works out. They become part of the system. 
the people who stand up to the system, who never fully integrate into the system, those are the ones that are good fighters, that can at least thwart the bad ideas, if not push the good ideas. I really, I, I, this is going to sound, this is going to come out the wrong way, and I don't mean it the way it's going to sound to some of y'all. I really, really like the idea of Jeff Landry as governor. And I'm worried, not because I doubt Jeff Landry, but I'm worried that the expectations far exceeds what the reality will be. I understand we're not going to get everything we want, that we as a state are not going to get everything we want or frankly need. But I want to see a governor, a commissioner of administration like Taylor Barra, a solid House speaker, a solid Senate president. I want to see people that will stand up to the system, not people who will take over the system, try to, try to become the system themselves, because the system always wins. Always. And it's not until you fight back against the system that anything good gets done. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send your message to the KPL app chat. Let's wrap up your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet in just a few minutes when we get back from this break. All that and more. Wrap up the show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 being the number, or you can send a message through the KPL app chat. There's a story that I didn't... I didn't believe it. for Well, I had doubts about first. Oftentimes, there's a story that confirms all your priors. Every single... Every single thing that you believe about a person or a group, when it all gets confirmed all at once, is typically kind of the, the, the siren that goes off in my head saying, hold on, slow down. This might be, I don't want to say too good to be true, but this might be a little too confirming of your biases. And this story is a couple days old. But it is starting to get confirmation. Several news organizations, including CNN, the Associated Press, and the New York Times, received photographs from on the ground in Gaza and in Israel on October 7th. 
And it now seems pretty clear that those photojournalists had advanced knowledge of Hamas's attack on Israel. CNN and the Associated Press have suspended ties with freelance journalists who were at the scene. One of the journalists was actually on video riding on a motorcycle holding a hand grenade in his hand. What happened is people noticed that some of these photographers were just conveniently located at the places where Gaza was sneaking into Israel, was invading Israel through these different places. And it seems pretty clear that Hamas had told them what was going to happen and when, and to be there and take pictures. And our mainstream media outlets didn't see a problem with this. They didn't stop to think, well, how could they know to be at that exact place at that exact time? in order to get these stellar shots. They never stopped to think that. The New York Times is flat out refusing to comment one way or the other. The Associated Press and CNN have at least cut ties with some of these freelance photojournalists. See, the thing is, you can't be a journalist in Gaza unless you have explicit permission from Hamas and you only write, print, or shoot photos of what they tell you to because... Either you or your family will be killed in the process. And it's increasingly likely that a lot of these journalists who are in Gaza are not really journalists so much as they are propagandists for Hamas, under the employ of Hamas, agree with Hamas in what they're doing. I had a lot of hesitations about this story. But the way CNN and the Associated Press are acting, this looks like a real thing. And that mainstream news outlets are receiving straight-up propaganda from their, quote, embedded journalists in Gaza who have actually ties to Hamas and Hamas's terrorist activities. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you again in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast will be up shortly over on Substack, the Joe Cunningham Show on Substack. You can't miss it. If you get your podcast through Apple, Spotify, or wherever else, leave a rating and a review. Help the show grow. You guys have a great evening. Talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.